Randy? Randy? Hmm, I think he might still be hanging out with all those product celebs at the Product at Heart conference in Hamburg. So I guess I'll just do this intro. Um, today we're going to be talking to Kax Uson, head of product at Adaventa, and also she's a coach for women in product. She's telling us all about her journey from individual contributor all the way up to her leadership role that she currently holds. So without further ado, let's get straight to the chat. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content, discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Hex, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you for, for inviting me over. It's it's super cool. I, I was pretty much telling my friends, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in the Mind the Product podcast. So <laughs> this is my highlight of the week. That's okay. We were telling our friends that, oh, my God, we're going to have Cax. Oh, my God. But for anyone who doesn't know who you are, can you just give us a quick intro? What are you doing these days? And how did you get into the product world in the first place? Oh, so... So hello, everybody. My name is Cax. I'm originally from Philippines, but now I'm based in Barcelona. I moved here about eight years ago. I'm a head of product for, and I say a head of product because there's a bunch of us heads of products in a company um, called the Deventa. So we build marketplaces all over Europe. So I'm the head of product for a tribe of around, as of last count, 80 people. So it's a cross-functional tribe. Myself, I manage a team of 12 or no, 11 product managers and some of them managers themselves. Um, and well, I've been, I've been doing product management for around 10 years now, more or less, depending on which month I actually start counting from. But my, my journey or my path towards product management is a very, very, very common path. Accidentally, <laughs> I got into product management, pure accident. Um, I was working in, um, in a startup. I started out as employee number one. So it was just me and the CEO. And I was hired to be a project manager, a blanket title, which pretty much meant do everything there, there is to be done. So I was working with engineers, but the engineers were outsourced. I was customer service. I was dispatch manager because we, are in, we were an e-commerce platform and some of the stocks were in our office. So I was also going to the front desk and delivering things for pickup. So that was my role for the first few months. And then when we started hiring more people, of course, I got more and more closer to to the engineers. And when we were going through transformation for um, for the startup, the name or the role of a project manager just didn't feel right anymore and I was also starting to question like what is my path after this I I liked to work with the engineers I like to define what was the next step for us how we were going to change the platform so project manager didn't feel feel right so my my CEO my boss at that time we literally went on Google (laughs) searched for what are the tech roles popular in Silicon Valley right now because it was 2000 <laughs> 
2012, probably, and 2011, 2012, right about that time. And product managers did not exist in Philippines. Or if they were, we, they weren't so popular that nobody knew about them. So when we went on Google, searched for those roles, the product manager title came up. We were like, oh, this sounds nice. I like the sound. I like the ring of this. Pretty much matches what I'm doing, more or less. Let's go with that. And that was how I became a product manager. Sounds like you're lucky that you didn't end up with the title Ninja or Rockstar. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that popular then. I guess. So we asked you to come on today because you did a, a really great talk at the industry conference recently talking about uh, another thing you did accidentally, which was go from product individual contributor into the leadership role. How did that happen? So I seem to end up in places randomly. Um, so what I shared in my story then was that I was in a team. I was I was with a tribe and I've been an individual contributor for most of my life. I thought I was just going to be an individual contributor forever because I did like the building things. Um, however, my manager at that time, we were still a small team. I think we were around what? five, six product managers in that team. My manager at that time was going to go on maternity leave. And I was the most senior person in the room. And at that time, I was also starting to teach in a, in a tech academy here in Barcelona. So there, were, there was already mentoring experience. So she thought it made sense. I thought it made sense. So when she said, hey, I'm going to go you take over. I just said yes, because how do you say no to that very tempting, very tempting um, proposition of, hey, you're going to be the product lead for the next couple of months. Go forth and do the do the stuff. So yeah, pure accident because somebody had an idea. They thought it was good. I thought it was good. There was nobody else um, at that time that was more obvious than me. So I said, okay, cool. Let's do it. So what were, what were the expectations that you had in doing that role? And did you have any sort of reservations as well? Because you mentioned that you were thinking that you were on track to stay as an individual contributor. So was there anything that you, that you were just like not looking forward to or you thought you might have to do that you thought might not be enjoyable? Well, my motivations were not very pure. <laughs> I mean, when people say career growth, immediately you think up the ladder, right? So, or, well, the most common notion is up the ladder. So for me, my my motivation was to grow in my career by going up the ladder. So mm -hmm. there was also the thinking of like, hey, this is going to be good for me. This is going to be good for my career if I take on this product lead uh, assignment for the next couple of months. So that was a motivation one. Um, motivation two was that I thought was, hey, product lead, I finally get to, you know, have a, um, have a seat on the table. I can have influence on the decision. My strategies will make sense because before that, I was doing strategies from an individual contributor perspective. It felt limited. I want to mm -hmm. do more of that. So these were my, my understanding of what a product lead would be and that I have a team who would go forth and execute them. I forgot the part of, well, I have a team and I actually need to help my teams be successful, um, grow in their own careers themselves. 
Um, I need to manage expectations, not no longer just from my manager, but also from the people who were reporting to me and that they have their own feelings, different expectations. So those were the parts that I didn't really realize the moment that I said yes. And then the parts of that there would this role would come with so many spreadsheets of <laughs> budget and reporting and all of those stuff. So those, when they came, I was like, holy crap, what did I get myself into? Suddenly, from one from roadmaps to spreadsheet was my, my experience in the first few months, especially, and the feelings, many, mm. many feelings. So how did you navigate that? initial experience what were the first um kind of couple of months like how did you set yourself up because it's quite a shift isn't it going from being a member of the team to leading the team so um when i was when i was sharing my story in in industry i I was i actually had um had a miss well not a miss but more of like i i had a very different view of what was going on. I thought I was being very good with, right. with my role because um well what was happening? Um I promoted somebody. So there was a person in my team who got promoted two levels up and I thought that was this is the highlight of my career. I've I've gamed the the promotion process and I've helped somebody grow in their career as well. So cool. I'm the best product leader in the world. Um, there was also an engineer who wanted to become a product manager. So I helped them make that shift and they were in my team. And once again, I was like, yay, me, people, careers, doing a great job. And I also hired a new PM. So I thought this was what success looked like. Like, because I was doing these things, I was very, very good. But um, on the flip side, there were also bad things that were happening that I didn't realize were signs of my own failure. Like when I first joined, there was a new hire that my manager who left before her maternity leave, um, well, hired and I was onboarding him. Three weeks later, this person left. Like Just at the end of his onboarding, he was like, oh, bye. We were getting so much negative feedback from, from the stakeholders and their expectations were not being met. And between the teams themselves, there were conflict. But how I viewed these things were like, well, outside of my control, these are their like their people, the, the person who left, like this is his decision, factored by somebody. I didn't realize that I had also a hand in it. Like maybe mm-hmm. the expectation was not correct or maybe... Yeah, it was just a, a mismatch of, of opportunities. With the conflict between teams, I thought like, okay, people are being petty. They're adults. They can take care of themselves. Not realizing that I also had a hand in that because I was not giving correct expectations and people were conflicting with, with each other. So these were my first months. I thought I was doing well until I actually got feedback from, from my manager who suddenly started asking me, so when are you going to stop facilitating and actually leading what kind of leader do you want to be and i really didn't understand what that feedback meant took me uh, took me months to actually go ah so that's what leading means because all i could think of was like hey what does this mean i'm promoting people i'm growing my team people are are happy because they 
got to change from engineer to product manager. What do you mean I'm facilitating? Isn't this my my job? But apparently, the impact on the the flip side was not. I wasn't doing my my job. How did that hit you when when your manager said that? And and what did you do next? Well, I was in denial, and <laughs> I was like, yeah, but okay, this is a feedback. I was also in the sen- feeling of, well, feedback is a gift eh, for, from the sense of some feedback. If it's useful, you take it. If it's not useful, you throw it. But I could, since I couldn't understand it, I set it aside. I, it mm. sounded like it's important because it was coming from my interim manager. But because I didn't know what to do with it, I just set it aside. Um, but it was also... Um, a very strange time in our organization then. So I didn't really have enough time to sit with that feedback because suddenly there was a merger. So my my team of four plus me and plus another person who wasn't reporting to me grew, doubled in, in size. So there were more problems coming in faster than I could process the reality that I already have problems. Um and at around the same time, my manager was coming back. So my motivation was more around, I want to stay in this role. I want to keep doing this. And it was not about how do I become a better leader? It's more like, how can I continue and be a, be a leader? So it was not pure intentions either. So how did I process it? I didn't. I didn't until much, much later when the problems really exploded in, in my face. Wow. I think it's really interesting when you get sort of feedback like that. And like you say, you know, sometimes you don't know how to respond to it and you just kind of have to sit with it for a while. And then like suddenly it'll, it'll kind of click, something else will happen or there will be a moment where it's like, oh, that's what you meant when you said that thing that I didn't quite get, but it always just stuck in my head. I've definitely had moments like that. And just thinking about like managing that team through a merger as well, like that must have been really quite a challenge. Um, You know, just managing a product team or like leading a product team anyway is quite challenging. But then going through a merger, how did you kind of navigate that from from that sort of leadership position was it very much a case of just day by day tackling each fire as it arises or or were you able to do any sort of like really thoughtful intentional leadership not at all I mean not at least not at the beginning so before the merger I was just in denial that there was something wrong with my leadership like I knew I was growing but there was also a lack of self or I knew that I didn't have the tools yet but there was also the lack of self-awareness that how my lack of tools was really impacting people and then when the merger happened um it was not like from from like a slow incoming wave of problems it was a tsunami of of mm-hmm. problems so my self-denial was no longer working i there were problems <laughs> around hey we have duplicate products what do we do with them I obviously didn't have the skills for that in the beginning. Like, what do I do with this? This was not a problem I can run away from. There were there were more complaints from the stakeholders because there was uncertainty. There was way too many things that we were not prioritizing because we had another whole set of problems to think about. So 
it was just piling on top of each other. And my usual um, coping skills of forget about the problem, deny that it exists, maybe it will go away, was not working anymore. So I had really no choice but to to face those those problems. And what I realized was that a lot of them were problems internally. So I was focusing on on the wrong things. I was focusing on running away from the problems because I was conflict averse. Um, I was focusing on you know, being light by my team versus being very um, or giving them guidance and clarity on things. So when when these problems started to happen, none of my usual well, maybe I can be light. And maybe if they like me enough, their problems of duplicate products will go away. No, it, it didn't. It couldn't. So I needed to accept that I had a gap in my skill. I needed to do something about it. So that was my, my first step. Awareness and acceptance that something needed to change. Um, but it was not one of those from one day to another. I'm aware, so I know what to do. It was actually... Um, a couple of more steps after in the sense of I decided to do something, but it was also an experimentation process of what that something meant. So I went to the courses, I read the books, I watched all of the TED Talks, and I tried to apply <laughs> different pr- leadership principles, and they still weren't working. They were, when when I tried to apply them, it was like conflicting um, solutions. Mm-hmm. So, how do I how do I involve the team but be decisive at the same time? <laughs> when, when do I actually make the decision? How do I um, give autonomy but also give constraints? What does that mean? So, and then my team was just confused because they weren't really understanding what the, I wanted from them. Randy, are the rumors true? Billy, I can't believe it. MTP are giving away all nine of the San Francisco keynote talks for free, both a recording and a written summary of each one. And handy discussion points and thought starters to think about solo or with your team. And an email notification each time a new talk is published on mindtheproduct.com. So you'll never miss a talk and be the first to hear when the next one is hot off the press. Of course, nothing can beat attending MTPCon in person, but this is the next best thing. So sign up at mindtheproduct.com forward slash SF Keynote Kit. That's mindtheproduct.com forward slash SF Keynote Kit. Kex, I want to skip ahead a little bit. I know I'm sure we'll come back and talk about how you made the changes, but I'm curious after hearing all this and and now that you're reflecting on it, what's different in your practice now? What do you do? Do you still I'm sure, I'm sure you still have the same uh instincts around imposter syndrome or avoidance and things like that, which we all have them in in different ways. But what do you do in your day-to-day practice that's different than you were doing then? So what I mentioned earlier, like I focused on being liked. So my motivation was my team likes me, but it was not giving the positive results that we were, we were um, expecting. So for me, it was a change of framing. So to put it mildly, I'm a people pleaser. 
that's pretty much the the root of all my problems um but when i realized that it wasn't working i had to reframe it like i couldn't really just kick off my people pleasing tendencies like that one way one day to another but i needed to frame it in a way that i am able to give hard feedback but not die inside because of my own feeling so for example my framing then became well what is it actually that people need and instead of what they want what is their problem to solve and how can i help them solve it so that's one thing because if i think of it that way my people pleasing brain would probably be go like would probably go well if that problem is solved maybe they would like me more <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of weaponized my own um my own limitations and that's so that helped especially in the beginning but then it became a habit more of like no I really need to give this feedback. Yes there's still that kick in my heart that hurts when I see faces turn from happy to upset but then it becomes more of a normal thing of like this is a job I I need to do. If I don't do this we're all going to turn out bad. And the other part is also distancing myself from other people's feelings because a lot of my my limitation is really centered around how people think about me are they accepting me so being able to distance um people's feelings not also trying to be res- too responsible of how th- their reactions their decisions their um well their emotions and focusing mostly on okay what what is the priority what are the expectations that i need to give here what is our goal what are the things that we cannot change what versus what are the things that are within our control and then i if i focus on that it's easier to accept that well people are not going to be happy today tomorrow maybe next week we're all right but then it's not really on me to to do something about their feelings and cax you're so kind of open about this like i find it really refreshing like you're you're really transparent about you know what you consider to be your limitations although i'm sure uh There's you more. Know, could be could be strengths in other in other areas um were you have you been like this with your team as well like i guess how have these conversations been with your team have you opened up to them about where you think you're failing and discussed that like in an in an open forum so i actually wasn't like this um before so again going back to the people pleasing problem like i don't want my team to think that i have issues i want them to think that the sun shines out of my ass i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but there was one time actually somebody gave me feedback of like what are you really thinking how are you really feeling like show us or show me um some vulnerability here because you're so straightforward you make things look so simple but i'm not seeing that simplicity so i think when that feedback came it hit me that there's no harm in in being upfront about how i'm feeling how i'm processing things of course there are some things that i shouldn't share um i i shouldn't be so upfront about especially immediately but the impact has actually been very positive 
with with my team and in the sense it has also helped me progress further because then I can bring my team along to my journey. So instead of telling them like three steps after like, hey, this is what we're doing, I can bring them along like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I'm not sure if this is going to work out, but hypothesis, probably I'm adding noise um, right now, but if it works out, this is a good impact. If it doesn't work out, um, then nothing really bad happens. But I want you to know, so you're not thinking that something hidden is happening in the background and you feel weird about it as well. So it has helped me um, and it's been also a good thing to get good feedback that, hey, you're being transparent, you're normalizing these things has also helped me be more okay with my limitations, with the things that I don't know and the struggles that I'm I'm facing. So um, then I lean more into it because the impact has been good, so why not? Okay, so, um, a couple of minutes ago, you were talking about uh, the fact that you uh, read a bunch of books and you saw lots of talks. You were trying to figure out how to make the, the leap and, and get to the next level once you got the feedback. And now you're managing other people. I'm wondering, uh, are there resources you give other people? Are there tools and, and books and things that you say, this is what you need to do to, to acquire new knowledge to make the jump to leadership? Or is it just... And I realize the word just is doing a lot of work here, but is it just a change in attitude? Um, I think it's a couple of things. So it depends on the person. So as a proper product manager, the answer is it depends. Um, it depends as well first on the learning uh, preference of the person because I can give them titles and videos, etc. But their learning preference, their actual learning skill is to do things hands-on. So maybe the best approach for them is to get into practice first um for the, some people interactive learning is better so then it's better to recommend workshops rather than books um it also depends on the context of the person what are their actual gaps so and if they are aware of those gaps so first it, there needs to be some acceptance that hey i need to work on this particular problem or i want to work on this particular problem before suggesting some things otherwise i'm going to be um, listing down titles into the either, but then it's not going to be used at all. So it really depends on the, the context of, of the person. And then to what you were saying as well, mindset. So if they don't want to change, if they don't want to grow, if they don't want to be um, in the leadership path either, then there's no, it's not that there's no point. Maybe it's just not the time to suggest um, specific titles or books or something. But I'm going to start with learning preference because that was my problem. My learning preference is actually not books and videos. My learning prob- my preference is actually hands-on mm-hmm. um, things. So probably that's why nothing of what I've read stuck in my in my head. So we kind of spoke really early on about frameworks and, and stuff. And you do actually have a bit of a back-to-basics framework or like a framework that you applied um, in the end to your leadership journey tell us a bit about that yeah so when the books and the videos and the tips were not working for me um i i went back to my basics of product management so i put on my product manager hat and 
asked myself, if this was a product to build, if this was an opportunity to take, what would I do, actually? And that's what I did. So I went back to my framework, my product management framework, which was have a vision or have a goal, um, define my, my problems to solve, what is my strategy then for, for these problems to solve, and um, best actions to take. So what are the solutions to try? And then what did I learn? from? What was the impact and what did I learn? So I can also look at it from, a, from an iterative perspective. So a good example would be one problem to solve was we have duplicate products. What's my ideal situation? What's my vision? Well, we should not have duplicate products. So what then would be my, my strategy for, for this? So my strategy for this would be, well, what are the things that are getting in the way of not get, of getting rid of some of the duplicate products? Well, some of them are emotional. Some of them were not having clarity on what are the opportunities anyway. So if we get rid of one product, what were the teams going to do once they lose it? So there's just fear in there too. So. There's that. There's also, well, we have stakeholders who are so afraid of losing support because if we get rid of that product, it impacts some stakeholders. So what do we do about them? So just breaking down my problems or my, my situation into smaller problems, having a clear ideal scenario and then understanding what can I, where can I act first, um, was pretty much actually what worked for me. Probably there will be other frameworks there, but I think what's important is what will work for me, what will actually help me get into a state of action versus an analysis paralysis or going into a black hole of things that were clearly not solutions that I could try. So one of the things you you touched on there and uh, you've talked about a bit in the talk was asking others for help and feedback. Yeah, I mean, not for yourself and for your team as well. What was that like? What was the change in going from being an IC and how you dealt with stakeholders and peers to doing it as a leader? Well, actually, um, from a, even from an IC um, role, I was, I never shied away from asking for, for help from my peers, at least. Um, I had very good relationships with, with my engineering counterparts, for example, for things, s- simple things like, Hey, I cannot do this presentation. Can you? So that was a, that was a normal thing for me. But when I moved to product leadership, I thought I shouldn't. That was my, my misconception at first, like I should be the one providing this answer. Um, but when I went back to my basics, I also went back to my basics of how do I actually do stuff? What were the things that were working for me before? So then I started asking for help. At the same time, trying to do things by myself was also not working. I could keep doing things by myself and then have very little results, or I could go back to my strengths, which was ask for help and maybe the impact will be bigger. It was certainly worth a try. So for me, it was something to to try. The feedback has been or the impact has been pretty positive in the sense that people actually wanted to help. Mm. People were also invested in the situation. So 
they had their ideas and it was a, a very welcome um, thing for them to receive that ask for for help. Cax, it's been so nice hearing about your journey and thank you so much for sharing so openly. I just have one more question for you before we wrap. I'd love to know, you know, having done the IC role and also now being in this leadership role, what's your own sort of vision for the future? Like, where are you headed? Oh, that's a tough one. I think of, out of all of the questions, this is the toughest. Um, so I am in a journey of experimentation. So one thing I know is that I really like this scope of helping people. Um, I like the feel, the, um, the process of helping product managers find and help oh, well, find answers for themselves versus me giving them answers all the time. I like um, helping product managers feel more comfortable, sorry, comfortable and confident um, in their roles. So it's such a nice thing to see when product managers at the beginning were like, oh no, I don't know all of the frameworks. I don't know how to do OKRS. I don't know how to do A, B, C, D, E. And then realize after like, it doesn't really matter. Like Just try something. And then they start to feel good. They start to enjoy the job again. So I want to do more of that. In what shape or form, that is what I'm experimenting on. I enjoy the product leadership path, so I think for that I will I will continue. There's also so many so many things for me to learn still as a as a product leader. I think the the difference between being an IC and a product leader is that the growth is wider. Like in one year, two years, you can keep jumping from product manager to senior to something, but as a product leader, the stretch is longer. So I will stay on this path for a bit or for as long as I can or it makes sense. But I'm starting to also experiment more on the mentoring and the coaching, especially for aspiring product leaders, those who want to make the leap but don't know how or for the new ones who, like me, the books weren't working for them. So that's the other experiment. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so great talking to you. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Thanks, Cax. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) The product experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, And me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW. That's P-A-U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. Mm-hmm.